I'm Jonathan Abarbanel. And I'm Kelly Kleiman. And we're the Dueling Critics. Welcome to our weekly podcast of reviews and news about Chicago theater. And today we're talking about The Great God Pan at Next Theater, running through May 11th at its home in Evanston. The Great God Pan is a play by Amy Herzog, who also wrote Belleville, recently produced at Steppenwolf. This play, like that one, concerns young people and the deep and dark secrets that they keep. In this case, the question is whether Jamie has been sexually abused. He is now a 32-year-old man, and the issue is what he does or does not remember from what happened when he was four years old. It turns out, though, that this is not actually a play about sexual abuse. It's actually a play about the way we tell stories to ourselves and to other people about our pasts. In his relationship with his girlfriend, in his relationship with his parents, even in his relationship with his childhood babysitter, Jamie is paralyzed by not remembering and then ultimately equally paralyzed by what he fears that he remembers. This is a play about a man who is emotionally closed off and how and why that has happened. As it was going on, I was reminded of one of the notorious quotes by Donald Rumsfeld, and I paraphrase, he talked about what you know, what you don't know, and the unknown known. And it struck me that this is the play about the unknown known. Amy Herzog generally writes plays about uh, social issues of some kind, and I think that this is in part a social issue play. Though, as you said, it's not really about childhood abuse. We actually never find out whether Jamie was abused or not, and you don't need to. You're correct, Jonathan, that a number of possibilities are presented as to why it is Jamie is a little bit emotionally crippled. It's his family. A lot of bit emotionally crippled. Actually, I sort of liked him. All these other people who spend all their time exploring deep feelings just gave me a hard... Okay, well, did, did you? You know, I'm going to interrupt you. You liked him. What did you find likable, appealing, sympathetic about his character? Uh, mostly, I think it's that the actor is cute. <laughs> because, you know, it's a fair question. Jamie's most common line, and I did realize this as the play was going on, he says, I don't know more than any other character I have ever encountered, occasionally varied with, I don't remember. And he uses those two things as armor to keep him from having to really interact with his girlfriend, whom he discovers is pregnant, and so they need to decide what they're going to do about that, to keep him from having any genuine interaction with either of his parents. It's not just that Jamie is closed off. The parents, they're a little emotionally distant themselves. When Jamie visits his parents, and he hasn't been to their house apparently in a number of months or so, his dad comes in, and instead of giving each other a hug, they shake hands. Amy Herzog doesn't merely give the audience the option to decide for themselves what may or may not have happened. She really leaves the audience hanging. The play runs only 75 minutes, and they are tightly written, compact 75 minutes. It is very skillful craftsmanship. But only in the very last scene, the last three minutes, does Jamie finally open up emotionally. And then Herzog ends the play. What really disturbed me is we don't find out, I didn't find out, what developed with 
his girlfriend, Paige, I needed more of a completion of that particular story arc. And my response is that although the play is skillfully written in the sense of each scene works extremely well, the play is not actually very well constructed. Herzog creates some... I just said it was. Yes, well, that just demonstrates that I'm right and you're wrong. Herzog has created a series of character arcs which do not get completed. As you yourself say, we never find out why it is that the girlfriend chooses to do what she chooses to do about this central conflict in the play, whether she should keep her baby or not. This is a narrative about Jamie and everything else is spinning around him. The ending comes so abruptly that the audience didn't know whether to applaud. All the other characters, except Jamie, and Paige, the girlfriend, are secondary, and they do not have to have the depth or complexity or complete arcs. Jamie does, and Paige needs to, and that's why I felt one more scene was needed, and somehow it needed to be a scene between Jamie and Paige. I could create a series of reasons why Paige does what she does, But I wanted the playwright to do that. I think that's her job. Kimberly Sr.'s direction, I thought, was extremely strong. And so all of the performances are, including Jamie, who, as I must admit, is an opaque character. And Brett Schneider makes him likable. He makes him likable by by virtue of his personal charm as an actor, rather than anything that is on the page. The page, P-A-G-E, not to be confused with his girlfriend, also named Paige, and played by the distinguished Christina Villada-Viars, who I thought lived and breathed every word of truth and beauty. I just loved her performance, and she she had a radiant face as well. Maybe that's why I want to know more about her. No, I think the play asks you to want to know more about her, but I agree with you that she did a wonderful job. I have no complaints, actually, about any of the performances. I don't either. I just think that there's an enormous amount of intelligence and energy and skill in this play, and the play isn't finished. I don't know whether it's a result of Amy Herzog's being one of the New York flavors of the month so that there's enormous demand for her work and she goes from one piece to another, but this play is not finished yet. Okay, I think her plays are too finished, and I'm speaking here as an experienced literary manager and dramaturg. This is called Jonathan's Pulling Rank. Yeah, well, no, no, pulling experience. I've, I've worked with playwrights on the development of several hundred new plays, and I get the sense that this is the, a kind of play that maybe has had one or two developmental workshops, too many, and Herzog, being very, very responsive to process, has cut it and reduced it in the name of shaping it more tightly, and maybe has you taken off one snoop too much. Well, that's certainly possible, and I have seen plays that have been overcut. This play, whether it's been overwritten or underwritten, is extremely absorbing and the fastest 75 minutes on record. Nonetheless, I have reservations about the great god Pan. Okay, I want to give a shout out to scenic designer Courtney O'Neill, who has created a unit set basically made up of a living room on one side of the stage and a diner on the other side of the stage, both of them backed by a series of windows beyond which you see the street. But the diner set and the living room set completely merge into one, so that when people are in the living room, they walk in the diner to pour coffee as if it were the kitchen of the apartment. I thought this was very, very clever. 
clever. And it is a beautiful scenic design, even independent of how it's used. And it's uh, helped greatly by the lighting design of Heather Gilbert. The Great God Pan by Amy Herzog continues at the next theater company at Evanston through May 11th. And Jonathan, I understand you have a report for us. I have a report. I spent last week at the Humana Festival of New American Plays at the Actors Theater of Louisville. And the news that comes out of the Humana Festival is always, what are the hits? And I think there are three plays. One of them is Partners by Dorothy Fortenberry. This is a play that had a reading, a developmental reading at the Live Wire Theater here in Chicago. And sure enough, they have snatched up production rights. Partners will be produced this summer by Live Wire Theater. The reason it's going to have a future life is it's only four characters. It's very contemporary, very au courant. It's about marriage and partnership. There are four best friends. Two are a married straight couple. Two are partnered gay couple. It's about partnership with each other. It's about marriage, and it's also about professional partnership. It's going to be widely produced. Also, I admired Grown Up, by Jordan Harrison, a playwright whose work also has been produced in Chicago previously. This is a remarkable work of magic realism, not unlike the movie Big, only in this case, a little boy goes through what I can call Shakespeare's Seven Ages of Man in the course of a single day. It's big, but a much, much darker version. Finally, there is a play called Christians by Lucas Nath, and this is a play about the preacher of a megachurch, a born-again preacher, and suddenly has had a rethinking that hell and Satan, as fundamentalist Christianity teaches them, do not really exist. And the repercussions are profound. They're viewed through a series of sermons at the church. This is not treated by playwright Lucas Naff in any kind of satirical, let's make fun of it way. It is earnest, and I think Christians will have an extended life. There will be theater companies in more conservative parts of the country that simply will not touch this play because of the genuine theological implications of it. There are no plans for Christians to be produced in Chicago, but two earlier plays of Lucas Nath are looming on the horizon. His award-winning play from last year, Death Tax, will be produced at Looking Glass in September, and an even earlier play called Isaac's Eye, also with the biblical theological uh, ramifications, will be produced in September as well at Writers' Theater up in Glencoe. Thanks for that report. The Dueling Critics Podcast is a production of Miracle Podcasts. Remember, if it's a good podcast, it's a miracle. You can subscribe to our podcast in iTunes or go to duelingcritics.net and click subscribe by email to have us delivered to your mailbox hot and fresh every Friday morning. You can also listen to our back catalog in SoundCloud, follow us on Twitter at Dueling Critters, and like us on Facebook. I'm Kelly Kleinman. And you can read Kelly's work at HuffingtonPost.com and at ChicagoNow.com slash The Nonprofiteer. I'm Jonathan Abarbanel. And you can read Jonathan at WindyCityTimes.com, TheaterMania.com, and Footlights.com. Thanks for listening. We'll see you next week.